welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello, and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 188, for Saturday the 15th of February, 2020. And coming up this week, I had one of my rare moments of clarity whilst eating a hot cross bun this week. I'll let you know the impact that tasty treat will have on my writing. Another book is passing through the re-editing process this week, and I think I'm really getting a sense of my writing brand now. And it's a bookbub fest this weekend. I'm submitting a sci-fi and thriller for a promotion. I've also got an update on my recent bookbub income on my Secret Bunker promo. So welcome to this week's podcast diary. It's probably going to be a little bit shorter than usual, mainly because I don't have a massive amount of news to tell you. Um, I've been writing, though, of course, and we've got the words done this week. This week's word count, I wrote 5,306 words on Sunday the 9th of February, and this is my podcasting book, of course. And then yesterday, uh, Thursday the 13th of February, I wrote 2,638 words. Now, I'm going to have another 2.5k day on Saturday, so tomorrow I'll be writing 2,500 words of that book, and on Sunday that will be another 5k day. And that should take me roughly up, I think, to chapter... 10, maybe even 11. And it only has 12 chapters plus a a conclusion. So the end is in sight, even though as I'm writing, this book, I think is going to be about 50,000 words, which is far longer than I expected it to be, uh, just because I found out I've got much more to say than I thought I was going to have. Um, But I think it'll end up about 50,000 words. But, um, you know, it's on target, it'll get finished in the next couple of weeks. But uh, I got something going on next week, which I'll tell you about shortly. As far as editing is concerned this week, I've been doing a final, final, final edit on Friends Who Lie. So I've been doing that at six chapters per night on Monday, Tuesday and Thursday of this week. And I will finish it off on Thursday and Friday of next week. Then I will upload it to Amazon. And as I'm reading this book now, and I think this must be about the third time I've I've looked at this book now, I, I really feel like I'm getting a sense of my brand, which is where I'm limiting swear words. I, I In the earlier books, I used to have these little, little asides, and I think there's a question of voice around them, but also I, when I'm reading them now, I'm looking at them thinking, don't need that, I'm just deleting it. So I'm actually re- removing quite a lot of stuff as I'm going along, stuff that I used to think was necessary. It'll be leaner, cleaner, uh, far fewer swear words in there. And also, I've really, really concentrated on making sure there's no head hopping in there now, which is something that I probably wasn't really aware of at the time that I wrote that book. So as I'm reading it through now, it's really, really much, much tighter. But I stopped last night on chapter 18, where I changed character point of view halfway through a chapter. And clearly that's going to need looking at. I'm either going to split the chapter into two or I will uh, just align it so it's speaking from one point of view. I might have to, I think, split it into two and just put one of those little squiggly marks in the middle of it, I think, to make it work. But uh, I'll do that over the weekend. But I was uh, tired last night. I've been out to see uh, a, a client and what I've been doing, what I've been writing in the afternoon. So I had quite a compressed day. And uh, by the time I got to nine o'clock and I saw that this chapter was a bit of a challenge, I thought, well, that's getting parked. I'll do that when I'm fresher. So that's this week's writing and editing news. In terms of my general writing news, I had one of those moments of clarity. And this is one of the reasons I like to to plan everything, because when I'm looking through my my planning documents and my quarterly board to my left here, I just sometimes see patterns or I, I look at more efficient ways of doing things. And I had one of those moments of clarity this week when I was eating a delicious and fresh cro- hot cross bun. I'm not quite sure where it was from, but it was absolutely delicious. And um, so hot cross buns increase inspiration, it seems. Now, the moment of clarity that I had, and um, I, I got to say to you that I'm really quite uncertain about how life will pan out after April. So when I stop doing the three days a week work, I'm not quite sure what my week's going to look like. There are certain points in the week that aren't going to change. So for instance, my wife works on Thursdays and Fridays. And for that reason, those have always been my favourite days to write my fiction. So 
I, I will be writing still on Thursdays and Fridays and this diary will get done on a Friday afternoon. So Thursday and Friday pan won't need to change at all. There's, there's just no need to, to change that. Um, because, you know, my wife's work stays the same and, and I am inverted commas free on those two days. So I, that, those will be my fiction writing days. Now at the moment, uh, until we go to Spain, my wife's running this uh, weekend work contract. Uh, that she's doing and, and again one of the motivations for that was that actually it really it, obviously it brings more money in but it um helped me get work done at, at the weekends because you know I'm very easily distracted when my wife's in the house we we, we usually just sit down having a cup of tea having a chat so I, I need to remove distractions so it was it's been really useful for me in the past year because I just got loads of writing done on those days but um Sundays are a good day for me to write as well because uh, my wife's shift is is 12 till 4 on that day it means we can have a slower start to a Sunday which is always nice and then I just write from the from the 12 to the 4 now I don't really like writing fiction on a Sunday I like to write fiction first thing in the morning when I'm fresh and and 12 o'clock's too late for me to be writing fiction of the day but it's not a problem at all for non-fiction because it uses bits of the brain so I'm I'm basically putting uh, Sundays as my non-fiction writing days so my Thursdays to Sundays are pretty well sorted. So, so Thursday is going to be a fiction writing day. Friday is fiction writing and podcast diary day. Saturday, I do a park run in the morning and then just general miscellaneous marketing book related stuff in the afternoon, but nothing sustained after a park run. That's how I like my Saturdays because if I meet somebody, we can go for a, a coffee and have a chat. I don't have to rush home, but when I'm writing, I have to rush home. Um, so I've decided that on, on park run days, it's just dedicated to park run. Uh, and then, but tomorrow, for instance, I, I also do a lot of park run tourism. So tomorrow I'm going to jump on a train at about seven o'clock in the morning and I'm going down to Lancaster to do a Lancaster park run just for the hell and the fun of it. Um, so obviously that will take me out for more of the day. I won't be back in the house until about midday. So it just gives me the freedom um, to just have a bit of fun with the park runs on a Saturday. And then Sunday, what I do on Sunday, would you believe it, is I go for another run on a nature reserve uh, on, a, on a Sunday morning. Then I come home, uh, my wife and I have a cup of tea and a chat. She goes to work at 12. I write nonfiction while she's at work and that's the Sunday so really I think the question mark really is over the Monday Tuesday Wednesday those are the three days when I would have been in the office doing a a nine to five normally and that's really the big question mark now March is is full because in March I got all sorts of things on Uh, we've got the um, London Book Fair we've got um, self-publishing formula live what else have I got I'm going off to do something else in March as well. So March is quite busy for me personally. My birthday's in March, so we'll go off and have some fun this week. I won't be working that week. So March is almost ruled out um, because we've got things on then. So I will hit my stride once again in April. That's when I could get any kind of sense of routine. Now, the, the lesson that I learned, which was a very valuable lesson actually from doing rapid release last year, was that I don't want to be a writer who writes every single day of the week and I'm banging a book out every two weeks. I don't want to write like that. I just, that's what I learned from rapid release. I I like to have uh, more time. I love writing Thursday, Friday, the occasional weekend day. Um, And I still get four books done a year that way. Well, if I write like that, if I write Thursday, Friday, Sunday, I can get um, three to four fiction books done a year and I can get three to four non-fiction books don't you I mean what's to complain about that that's a perfectly reasonable rate and that is an extremely comfortable rate for me at which to write I do not want to be writing every day of the week I, I think I would find it boring it would be like being in a day job I honestly don't think that my it would play to my creativity I think I'd feel like I'd run out of ideas I'd feel just like I needed to replenish my creative well so I don't want to write every day of the week so Monday to Wednesday, as far as I'm concerned, for April, are, I've got big question marks over them. Now, um, you know, I'll do some running in the evenings when we get to the summer. But I, notionally, those are penciled in as client days. Um, and I'm, I'm, I said to you a couple of weeks ago, I'm seeing a lot of clients at the moment. Um, I, I saw I had a, and I do, do I enjoy seeing the clients. I must tell you this. I, I've seen a client today and I saw a client yesterday and I am seeing more at the moment. And I, I want to encourage that now my work pattern's changing. But I, I went to where was I? I was in Penrith yesterday and I went to see um, a gentleman at a company and uh, these guys um, carve stone. 
and uh, there was a great stone chess set in the reception area and the, all these wonderful things from stone that they make and the big factory at the back with these great stone cutters and, and when I go and see businesses and usually I'm talking about digital stuff and social media and things like that and, and they're so far behind most businesses are so far behind what we do uh, on a, on just on a daily basis in our businesses you can add real value to these local businesses. And you know, this guy got some great consultancy yesterday uh, because he was doing a really good job. And I just showed him a couple of little tweaks that he could do. I said, that's going to change your world when you do that. And um, so it's just really satisfying work. But I love seeing the businesses. And I was working with a lady today um, who does NLP. She's an NLP practitioner, but she's got a couple of books out and they self-publish these books. And um, I've been able to add all sorts of value, all sorts of things that she didn't know that you could do. And um, like most people who self-publish and, and don't really know the industry, they're not really selling any cop copies. And of course, I've been saying to her, if you do this, you do this, you do this, you're going to find it hard not to sell copies because they're, they're non-fiction. So I really enjoy that work. And um, I've just this week in the evening, when was it? Was it last night I finished it off? Um, I've had to resubmit my tender for that work um, because all the Europe stuff's changing and projects are changing and things like that. They are still uh, funded. But these uh, projects, this advisor work that I do is funded now until June 2023. So there's another three years work on this. So I had to resubmit my tender this week, which I, I submitted uh, yesterday. And obviously, um, I have to get through that tender process. And hopefully I'm a lot better at it than I was. I started writing The Secret Bunker because I'd done the first ever tender. I'd never tended before. I didn't even know what a tender was at that stage four or five years ago. And um, I didn't get the tender because I, I pitched too high. I didn't understand about how you price a tender. So they couldn't they couldn't give me the tender, even though they knew me. And that, in, in, that interestingly, is what is responsible for me starting writing because I'd got a couple of months where I thought I was going to be working and I wasn't working. So I had to find something to do. So so I wrote The Secret Bunker. So I, I don't regret that at all. It, it was actually quite fortuitous. Um, now, if that tender goes in, you know, clearly that's three years of work, which I can, I mean, I probably will say yes to all the work that comes my way because I'm able to accommodate it. I, I, I don't think I've ever turned uh, work away, but it gives me a steady flow of work. But the joy of that work is, is that I arrange it to suit my diary. And the other thing that I discussed is that if I get that tender awarded, and you, know, you could never assume these things with a tender because I, I might have just messed something up in the application process, process if I have, they can't award it to me. Um, so, so long as I haven't messed anything up in the application process, um, I'm allowed to do clients. I could work with clients when I'm in Spain as well. Um, because I, I do a lot of clients because Cumbria is such a big county. I often say to people, look, rather than me drive, it's, it's two hours. If I go to a place in Milham from Carlisle, which is probably one of the furthest places in Cumbria, it takes me two hours to drive across the county to get to Milham. Or I can train it. I used to do training in Milham and I used to train it, stay in a hotel overnight and then do the training and come back on the train in the evening because it was such a long journey. So that, that's how big a county Cumbria is. So often it's just easier for me to say, look, why don't you just jump on Zoom? Will I, because it's my web stuff. It's just like me doing a webinar. I'll, I'll show you what to do. I'll talk you through it online and then I'll record it for you and you can have the video to look back and, and clients get brilliant value from this. So I've had permission that if, if I get the tender renewed, then I could do this in Spain as well. So, I mean, that's just wonderful, isn't it? Because, um, you know, I can earn money while I'm out in Spain and, and keep my kind of work going with the tender. So I'm really keen to get that tender one. And what I'm really expecting is that those Mondays to Wednesdays, they're available. Um, my wife's off on those days. So my wife and I, if there's something on at the cinema, we'll be going to the old Codgers showings. Um, we're actually too young. I think in our, in our cinema at the Odeon, we're not too young. But in, in the view cinema that we've got in Carlisle, we don't count as old codgers yet officially. So on previous occasions, we've, we've sneaked in hoping that we're old enough not to get spotted as being too young at the old codger sessions. Uh, because it's really, you know, it's really cheap. And also you don't get the idiots um, making noises and shining their torches at the screen and things like that. So I prefer to go in the daytime. So, you know, we'll be doing things like that, which is what I used to do. I used to go to cinema all the time during the day when I was self-employed, when I could organise my diary. So I should, that's how we will sort of be living. We'll be having little, doing little fun things like that. And then I will, I will get the contracts uh, work around that to, to, to fill in the schedule. 
So that's how I think it's going to go. Anyhow, as ever, that's a very long diversion to tell you that I'm not really quite sure how things are going to pan out after April. So I have to keep the powder dry to a certain extent, even though I've, I've, I've got to have plans for it. I've got to be mindful of what I'm going to do. I'm really not quite sure how the week's going to sit yet. So I do have to say to you that I'm telling you this stuff now, but the plans might change um, because I'll, I'll get a sense of my time and my new routine in April. But the moment of clarity I had this week was I was planning before we went to Spain or we go to Spain to write another trilogy in the Walker Bay series because that, that those books are, are going down well, they're selling well. And it make and, and I want to write a series, but I've decided I'm not going to write a series. I'm going to write my series as self-contained trilogies using the same characters. So, you know, if I had three Walker Bay trilogies out, each trilogy would have a self-contained story, but the trilogies themselves would be sequential, almost like they're in a sort of series. They'd be on a timeline, but they wouldn't, each trilogy wouldn't be dependent on the other. And that kind of hits my sweet spot because I like writing in trilogies. I don't have to sell trilogies and I'm nervous of committing to a series. That feels to me like a band. So that, that felt like the, the next best thing to do, but I can't remember where it came from but as I say the hot cross bun was responsible for it and maybe it was that sense of satisfaction you know just having a lovely fresh hot cross bun but what I thought was hang on that doesn't make any sense because I've got my book back now you see her and that was always written with the intention of turning it into a trilogy so although I wound up the main storyline in that book I also left threads open to continue it and I just thought to myself hang on a minute it's much more sensible to write the two books I need to complete that trilogy than it is to write the three books I need to on a brand new trilogy. Now, now, now the book is mine. So that was my moment of clarity. I mean, I know it's no kind of eureka moment, but I just thought, well, hang on, this, this is better because when I then looked at my writing schedule to fit three books in before we go to Spain, I'd had to find some weekends when I was having to write I don't really like to write fiction at the weekends I'd rather write it on Thursdays and Fridays and so changing from three books for a second Walker Bay trilogy to two books to finish off what I'm going to now call the Shallow Falls trilogy because they're set in an area called Shallow Falls so this is now my Shallow Falls trilogy I'm going to write books two and three in that trilogy when I plan that out my schedule up to when we go to Spain is much much nicer it means that I'm only ever writing on Thursdays and Fridays. It means we can go off, you know, the kids at home over summer and when we go and see my mum and things like that. It means I don't have to compensate for being away on those Thursdays and Fridays by working on Saturdays and Sundays. And it means I could also very comfortably get um, my three non-fiction books done. So um, that's the plan at the moment. But it, it's, it makes much more sense to finish off that trilogy and get that launched. Now, if I if I do go for that, um, you know, the covers will be cheaper because they weren't covers produced with uh, Stuart Bache. I'm not I'm not going to be in for the for the covers. Um, and obviously, I've had great reviews on that book, so it makes every sense to write the next two books. And then by the time I get to Spain, it gives me two fresh units that I can be submitting to BookBub. It would give me the Shadow Falls trilogy, which will be new to BookBub. And then hopefully the Walker Bay trilogy, fingers crossed, will have got a BookBub at that stage. And we'll be about on the second submission for BookBub if I've, if I've got a first one. So it gives me two fresh trilogy units to be thrashing on BookBub, which haven't been seen yet. So they should be reasonable earners. So strategically, I think that makes a lot more sense. And then again, you know, I don't know I don't know how things are going to go in Spain. My wife and I have been doing a lot of research. And one of the things that I discovered that we can do, because we're going to be there in November and December, is that we can apply for residency because uh, we're still in we're still in Europe at that time. And I was just saying to, to my wife, you know, I'm going to get all the paperwork done so that we could apply for residency. And that doesn't mean we have to live out there. It means we can live out there for six months of a year, which means we can go out for a long winter and come back to to um, you know England uh, in the summer months when the kids sort of will need somewhere to stay over the summer uh, you know they need the kind of house open and uh, a kind of friendly welcoming home but their university accommodation covers them from September through to June July that they've got they don't get chucked out of the holidays like we used to when we were students they've got full-time um, accommodation uh, even during the holidays so um, we're kind of you know again we're feeling our way with all of this uh, but I think we're going to apply for residency, which interestingly um, takes me to something else interesting about my book income. 
because when you apply for residency in Spain, you need to show a certain income level um, for you and members of the family who are staying out there. For that's that's for me and my wife. Now, when my wife's out there, uh, my wife will give up her job. Um, so she's taking a career break this this winter. So that's how we get around it this winter. Uh, and, and if she wanted to go out there in subsequent winters, then we would need her to finish her job. So effectively, I need to make sure that I'm, uh, you know, bringing in enough for the two of us to, to keep uh, the Spanish happy. <laughs> um, and what I said to my wife was, right, well, it's really good that we know that because what I'm going to do, I've always taken money out the, uh, uh, the the book business in a haphazard way. So I have always taken money out of the business, but never, never large amounts. I've generally been plowing it back in year after year. And I was looking at the money that I, I've got sort of in my, my, my business account at the moment. And I was saying to my wife, what I'm going to start doing is paying myself a monthly salary now from the business um, so that when we you know if we apply for residency in Spain um, I can then demonstrate a regular consistent amount of money being paid from my business to my personal account so that when we come to that resident that residency thing I think they ask to look at deeds for the house and um, you know they'll look obviously for uh, income and, and savings and all these usual things and I'm just going to make sure everything's beautifully neat and tidy so rather than it being in fits and starts what I tended to do is just you know I'd take a lump sum out at the, the end of the year or something like that uh, whereas now I'm going to be more organized with it and just take a set monthly amount out to show that my business pays me a regular amount. And then with that and my BBC pension, the Spanish are going to be more than happy that we're bringing in enough money in between us. Um, you know, and, and then, um, it looks nice and orderly in terms of the last three months bank statements where, where we have to go through all that malarkey. Um, so that, that's the plan with that. But, but again, you know, if you followed my kind of journey, um, on this podcast, uh, I, I, I mean, I would have been able to take that regular income out for the past year. Um, but, but I have been using a fits and starts model, uh, really. And, and now, uh, as I've said to you, you know, I want to be taking regular income out the business. And originally I'd planned to take it out. Like I've just taken amount out to pay for some of the, the Spain accommodation, for instance. Um, that's what I call fits and starts where I'm taking it out. To, to pay a bill and then I'm claiming it as it, you know, it goes on my income tax form as, as income, um, at, at the end of the tax year. Whereas now, rather than taking it out like that, saying, Oh, you know, I need a bit of money. I'll take that out of the business. I, I, um, I'm just going to pay myself a regular salary for the business now. And, and that feels like a sea change for me to be, to be, to be able to say with great confidence, um, I, I've actually budgeted it out and with the money that's in the business at the moment, I can actually pay myself. Uh, I think it's up to November. I've, I think I've already got enough money to do that with money earned, uh, into November. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could, I, I'm just waiting for, I'm, as, as the money comes in and I earn it on the books, I'm, I'm accounting for it, but I got one, two, three, four. So from April, I'm going to pay this from April in the next tax year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I got eight months worth of salary already sort of earned not in my pocket yet but earned within the in the business you know so amazon's telling me i've earned this draft the digital's telling me i've earned this all of these you know all this the, the income so um that will look much more impressive when we when we go out to um spain you know and, and the spanish won't then sort of blink or it, it, because the problem is when you're self-employed life gets complicated sometimes so you know that's why i want to show an even salary paid every month it, everybody understands that they um, it's hard to explain it when you say well, i'll have a thousand there for this and i'll take a thousand for that and it all goes on the tax return but when people are looking at you in terms of your you know your inverted commas credit worthiness they prefer to see monthly income coming in regular as clockwork. So that's what I want to achieve with that uh, this year. So it's quite nice to know that I can make it like till to November um, with sort of money already um, not banked, but but earned um, to date. So that feels like a real sea change in my in my business. But I did say to you, you know, I am taking money out of the business this year. Um, I'm determined to take money out of the business this year. And I've been able to do that without any uh, book bubs as well, which is which is fabulous. So um, yeah, that 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 sort of feels uh, good. But the, the Spain plans, you know, we're working it out as we go along. And as I'm, I'm, you know, trying to consider how to do things the best way and structure things the best way. So a lot of this is all subject to change, but I'll, I'll sort of share the bits that are related to to the writing and the, the the book sort of work as well. So anyhow, um, the plan is to write another two nonfiction books and to finish off the Shallow Falls trilogies, it's now called, 
And um, I've penciled in some release dates for that. But again, um, I want to make sure before I start booking editors and covers, I want to make sure, I know this is an ambitious plan, but I want to make sure I've got the income for the year earned um, so I can take that money out um, for the Spanish residency. I want to make sure I'm good till um, a full tax year. So it's actually till, till March. I want to make sure I got that monthly income earned. It might won't be in my pocket. It'll be paid to me in subsequent months. Um, uh, in, from April, uh, this month, uh, April 2020 is what I'm trying to say to March 2021. Um, and that will kind of keep the Spanish sweet when we go through that residency, uh, process. Okay. So, uh, that's uh, kind of writing, uh, plans. It's a book bub fest this weekend and I'm able to submit Left for Dead to book bub for the second time on Saturday, the 15th and the grid one. I can submit to BookBub today. So um, after I've, I haven't got around to it yet, but I'm going to be submitting that after I've probably while I'm listening through to this podcast and reviewing it, I'll probably submit to book uh, to, to BookBub with this, the Grid One. The Grid One has had a BookBub before, um, but they've knocked me back three or four times since then. Uh, the Grid One is wide, so it's just try, try, try again with that one. And Left for Dead, um, I was a bit disappointed with that last month. It's it's Amazon exclusive, um, hasn't had a book bub yet. And I'm just waiting for my first time. So I'm going to be on tenterhooks this weekend as I submit those both to book bub, hoping I get at least one and uh, pray, 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 maybe even two of them. Now, I have to give you a correction. It's not so much a correction, but an update, really, because um, I've given you some I'd given you some wild guesses about the secret bunker, uh, about in terms of what the income was going to be on that. And actually, uh, is that, is it the second time for the secret bunker? Second or third time, I think it might be the third time for the secret bunker. Yeah, I'm sure the first time went in sci-fi and was good. And then the second time they said that they wanted to put it in horror and that wasn't so good, but it was okay. And then this third time they put it in horror again. I don't want it to be in horror, uh, but they put it in horror. And I think, um, I think I had overvalued what I was going to make from that. I just want to correct that. Um, I, made uh, it cost me 188 pounds i think it was roughly 188 pounds to promote my book the secret bunker in um in book bub so it was cheaper so there's less risk which is why i said yes but i think it's i think i'm going to make from it only about 750 pounds probably and um, obviously i always think you get you get a kickback on it for about three months so i can't give you a final figure but i think it's going to be about 750 pounds of income so it's well in profit it's going to be about you know three to four times what i spent on it but it's not good in terms of bookbub earnings, um, you know, and in terms of what I've earned before. Now, I think I said to you that I thought it was going to be a thousand, maybe to a thousand five hundred. It's not going to be that definitely now. And I just wanted to, um, you know, make sure your expectations are set correctly with these things, um, and just put those figures right. So I, it'll be seven hundred to eight hundred pounds, I think, from that bookbub. Now, you know, from a from a business point of view, it was one hundred eighty eight pounds in seven to eight hundred pounds out so we are we are in a sort of two to three maybe uh two to three hundred percent profit so that's absolutely fine um there's no no problem with that from a business point of view but from an overall earnings point of view i'm disappointed in that um you know i i want to be taking out at least two to three thousand pounds from a book bub i have taken five thousand pounds out of a book bub that's what i can get on a good thrillers or a brand new thrillers book i've I've had over five thousand pounds out in a book bub so um, you know, obviously I'm not going to poo poo that income against, uh, other book income that I've got coming in. Um, it, it's nice. Uh, and, and it's, you know, remember that is a book that I released four to five years ago. Um, you know, so it's making, that's more money than I ever made in it when I released it four to five years ago because I hadn't got a clue how to market it. So I'm not, um, you know, I'm not moaning about it. I'm not unhappy with it, but from a, from an overall income level, I'm not happy with that. Now, I will not accept a horror promo from BookBub again on my sci-fi. So even if they say it, I will from now on say, I'd rather not have a horror promo. I'm going to reject this and I'm going to keep putting it in for sci-fi. They do not belong in horror. I don't care what BookBub tell me and I don't care what they know about their audience. I wrote the blasted thing and I'm telling you it's sci-fi. Uh, and it's the same with the grid too. So I'm only going to accept, um, I'm only going to accept, um, sci-fis on those because that is the right audience. Um, I've got another correction that I want to give you as well. I think last week it was, I said to you that when I have my two years after blog tour, 
um, that I'm out the country, but I'm not. I'm in the country um, for that blog tour. I was getting my dates mixed up. So we're going away next week. And I, for some reason, I got into my head that the blog tour was next week. It's not. Um, it's in March. So uh, we're not in out the country um, when that book is on a blog tour. So just a couple of uh, corrections there as me uh, getting confused. I hit another target this week. So those of you with very long memories and, and who, who, who have you know gone beyond the call of duty by listening to loads of podcast diary episodes, uh, you'll know it's my 55th birthday in March. And I had some targets around my 55th birthday. And I reached another one of those targets this week. So um, my targets were to do 50 park runs. I've actually, you know, I've shifted that target because I, I knew I was going to hit 50 um, and then hit 55. It'll be about 60, I think, by the time I'm 55. But I've obviously broken the target, which was 50 park runs. And you get a T-shirt when you when you do your 50th park run. 25 volunteering sessions. Well, I did my 25th volunteer last Saturday. And in the post today, I got my 25th volunteer T-shirt. So they, they gamify all of this. It makes it really compelling stuff. So um, I, I've pretty well hit all my targets now. And the last target, I've just got to make sure I maintain. So 25 volunteers, 50 part runs. I said 20 books. I hit 23 books, was it? I, I've exceeded that target as well. Uh, I wanted to get 10 tourism, 10 part run tourisms, which I've done as well. I think it'll be about 15 by the end of March um, at the rate I'm going. And then the last target is a weight target. Now I've hit that weight target, 10 stone and seven pounds, but I'm going to try my best to be 10 stone, seven pounds or less actually on my birthday, because that's what I'm like with these things. You know, I'm a finisher completer. Um, so I will feel like I didn't hit the target if I'm not 10 stone, seven pounds. Now, I know I can't beat myself up about that because you can't go on like a starvation diet or anything just to make sure you hit the target. Um, but I am closely monitoring my weight. And I went for a run this morning before I went to see the client. And uh, what is it? 14th of February recording this. So I've got five weeks left and I've managed to maintain my weight around that 10 stone, seven pounds level. Remember, I'm not running as much as I would like to be at the moment because the weather is so goddamn awful in the UK. We're getting to the stage now when I'm out and it's cold and it's blowing. I'm just saying to my wife, oh, let's go to Spain for goodness sake. I Honestly, I'm so sick of the UK weather. I cannot wait to get out there. What a depressing country to live in. The weather's just terrible. It's beautiful in the summer. You know, in the Lake District, it's beautiful in the summer. But oh, I find these winters long and tedious. It's just so grey and cold. Anyway, so I can't wait to get running more. But of course, I'm running less at the moment because it's just so hard to get out there. It's so cold. Um, But I was 10 stone and eight pounds this morning. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't beat myself up about it if I was 10 stone eight. On, on my birthday but I am watching that weight to make sure it doesn't uh, creep up and to be honest with you how do I watch my weight uh, I tell you how I've done this I've done it obviously by doing regular runs but I'm not running as much as I'd like to be in the winter at the moment and that that really kept my weight very very stable uh, the other thing is I'm not eating crisps and chocolate and, and after we have uh, tea in the evening um, we're just having fruit we're not eating uh, sticky stuff so frankly that keeps the weight down so I'm not even on a diet and I'm not I, I went to McDonald's when I was out yesterday seeing that stone company, um, I went to McDonald's. I met my wife in, uh, where were we? What's the place? Costas. And we had lunch at Costas the other day. So I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not watching what I eat in terms of the meals. I'm just watching the rubbish that I eat. I've just stopped eating rubbish, biscuits, crisps, uh, you know, sticky uh, puddings. I've just stopped all of that nonsense, uh, the running, and that's done it. That's taken me down to 10-7. I, I eat, if I, I went to McDonald's yesterday because I was hungry after I'd seen the client. And uh, I had a McDonald's yesterday, so I, I'm not I'm not on a diet. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of, but I am I am watching it. Let's put it this way: if I was ten ten and it was two weeks out from my birthday, I wouldn't have had that McDonald's. I'd have gone and had a sandwich instead. I'd have had a cheese and tomato sandwich instead. So anyhow, I'm, I'm hoping to hit that target. But obviously, something like weight, you know, it's it's not something that I could definitely say I'm going to bang on hit that target. It's, it's slightly more random than that. So I got five weeks anyway. To, to try and maintain that weight target. Uh, and that'll be my five uh, 55th birthday targets. And then it'll be time to set some more for 60. Um, one of my kids is home from university this week. Thanks to all my kids are home this week. We've got a full house this weekend, which is lovely. And um, 
my kids were saying, how, um, what's the, the biggest uh, T-shirt you can get for park run? And, and it's 500, so you're going to be running for 10 years. So I said, I, I won't get my 500th uh, until I'm about 65. Uh, I'll get my 500th T-shirt if park run's still going then. Um, you know, if uh, if the world's not destroyed by that time, if it hasn't become one of my dystopia novels, um, then I'll be about 65 when I get my, my 500th T-shirt um, for part run. So um, it'll be time to set some more targets uh, as soon as I'm 55, <laughs> some long range runs like that. It's been great fun this week because I decided that um, I was looking at a book cover I'd done for the podcast book. I thought if I've got that on pre-order now for the 30th of March, I thought I'd better get a cover done on that. And I was looking around for covers and searching for I, I don't want to spend 500 quid on a cover for a um, non-fiction book I don't think you need to be spending that much on a non-fiction book um, and I was looking around for pre-made and then I actually I had another eureka moment this week because then I thought oh I know Sean Stevens who's a former guest on this show Sean Stevens has a uh, a new book cover service and I haven't had a chance to use it yet when he launched it I got all my covers um, ordered through other people and I'd like love the work that he'd done He's over at Flintlock Covers, by the way. I thought, Sean Stevens, let's talk to Sean. So I emailed Sean and said, Sean, I'm looking for three um, non-fiction covers this year. Now, I hadn't seen whether Sean did non-fiction covers. So I, I sent him an email and said, do you do non-fiction covers? Because I'm looking for three covers over the course of a year. And when you design the first one, design it with a sort of brand in mind, because I want them all to look like they're from the same you know, brand the same set at the end of the year. So Sean got straight back to me, said, yep, absolutely, I could do that. Uh, happy to do that. And we agreed a price. Um, and so uh, within the day, um, Sean had sent me a link. And we got, I think it was five or six different ideas there. I ran those ideas by the family. And then I um, I also sent them out. I thought, well, I've, you know, I've got load, I've got 10, I think about 10 people at the moment inside my book, um, you know, reading it as I go along, doing some beta reading on it. They're all podcast listeners. Thank you. Call out to the podcast uh, beta readers I sent out an email to them and, uh, and we've got a favorite cover now so um, I sent that to Sean Sean's just sent me I haven't dealt with it yet but Sean's just sent me an email saying there you go that's the last one how's that I'll be signing that off uh, that'll be the Kindle cover and then as soon as I've written the book and I can tell him what the spine width is going to be for the paperback he'll give me the paperback and then he'll use that basic concept for um, you know future uh non-fiction books that I do so very very happy with that just want to remind you that uh, Sean Stevens is a former guest on this show I interviewed Sean on episode 127 if you want to have a listen to him hear what he's doing as he's an author as well um, but also sort of uh, very geeky, very technical. He's recently set up flinklockcovers.com um, to do uh, book covers, obviously. Um, I'm very highly delighted that he does uh, non-fiction. I wasn't sure that he did non-fiction, but he does non-fictions. He's done me some lovely demos this week. Um, I've now chosen my favourites. I'm very happy to sort of keep it in the, the podcast family. Uh, and Sean will be producing those three books. If you are looking for covers, um, you know, Sean's getting the business going at the moment. So I'm sure he would appreciate um, your support. And uh, I've been very happy with the, the covers I've had. So, you know, I could, I could give you a thumbs up as far as that service is concerned. So that's very exciting. As soon as I get the, um, the sort of final iteration of that and I sign it off, I'll, I'll put that on the holding page on Amazon. Now that book's going to get released on the 30th of March. And one thing I did think, I haven't told you this, and I just need to say this to you about this podcast book. This podcast book isn't going to have a inverted commas, a launch. I'm not going to launch it in that sense of the word. This nonfiction book is being written by me, as far as I'm concerned, as an exercise. It's an exercise in me writing a nonfiction book that is as timeless and evergreen as it can be. So I'm trying to break the mould of the books that I've had. And incidentally, um, my MailChimp book is, I think it's not the best-selling book this month so far. It is my second best-selling book with no no effort from me, just just keywords. Um, and it's not selling a fortune, but it's, you know, it's the second best-selling book. Because I've got so many books now, they're all selling small amounts. And when you add those small amounts up, they're all adding up now. So, you know, I don't, um, obviously the, the, um, the Morgan Bay trilogy is doing, uh, doing well, um, at the moment. But, you know, when you, uh, basically I've got to a stage where you're adding up lots of small amounts on books and that's those small amounts are adding up to bigger amounts that are worth having. So, um, th that's the sort of experience I've got at the moment, um, you know, with, with that. So anyhow, um, going back to the podcast book, it's not going to have a launch. I will just release it. 
the reason for that is is that I don't get a sense that there's like a I don't get a sense there's a million people looking for podcast books. If you look at the podcast books online, there are no podcast books there that have like one thousand seven hundred reviews on them. Most of them have a handful of reviews on. So I don't think there's any great massive um, audience demanding podcast books. What I think is that there's probably a steady flow of people um, who are who, who are starting podcasts and and when they look when they want to start a podcast they do a internet search or an amazon search for set up a podcast or how to start a podcast and they choose from the books that are available so all i'm expecting to do with this book i don't expect it to have massive sales straight away or anything like that as far as i'm concerned it's an exercise it's a return to non-fiction for me i'll just release it i'll probably look at some ways in which i can promote it but i'm really expecting it just to um you know to sort of sit there and um and, and I hope that it will bring me evergreen sales in, in the way that, that MailChimp has without me having to do a massive amount of work on it. Now, one thing did occur to me that I am going to send a copy of it to a gentleman called Dave Jackson, who runs a podcast called The School of Podcasting. I, I've I've referenced two people in the UK who sorry, one's in the USA, Dave Jackson's in the USA, and there's a gentleman called Colin Gray in the UK. And I've referenced those two people because I feel that they can very, very competently and um you know sort of fairly in a very good non-scammy way, they're a very reputable way. Um Colin can talk about mixing desks and more complicated rigs on podcasts. And Dave Jackson, uh if you wanted to have a, a microphone, if um, you know, a fancy microphone setup, um he could he could tell you which microphones to use. So I felt that both of those gentlemen had air areas of expertise which I can't offer because when I was a radio presenter I just used to roll up and the engineers took care of it you know I don't have I don't have intimate knowledge of the kit I just used to talk in front of a microphone and somebody else took care of that for me largely so um you know I don't have that that technical knowledge even though I was surrounded by it so uh, what I did think is that it would make sense for me to send Colin and Dave copies of the paperback um with the view to them reviewing it perhaps and maybe even interviewing me about the book on their podcast that felt like it would be a good thing to do so um, I have no great strategy for it and to me uh, this podcast book just like the MailChimp book well the MailChimp book is two or three years old now I even say in the blurb at the beginning um, it's a 2017 version that book people still buy it even though it's out of date frankly you can still get lots of value from it even though it is out of date but I, I felt it only fair to say it's um it's out of date and um, whereas this book um won't won't date I can just leave it there hopefully for sort of three four years uh, so long as one of the main service pr- providers that I've mentioned doesn't go out of business no reason for me to expect them to because I've intentionally chosen sort of big well-established ones that have got resilience so long as uh, they don't go out of business and in that case I don't have to change a chapter or two that book's just going to be able to sit there for ages. So it is an exercise. I didn't want to set up any expectation that Paul's going to be on some big launch all of a sudden when this book goes out. It's going to just, it'll just release. I might do, I might do a little bit of non-fiction kind of work around it, which might be a, a couple of podcast interviews if I can get some bites on there. Um, I might, I might try, um, some Facebook advertising at targeted podcast audiences. I'll do some bits like that. Oh, I, I definitely have some Amazon ads running on it as, as well because it's keyworded but there won't be any great launch and the other thing about non-fiction is um i won't be doing um book promos on it so if i did a book promo on it i would do a book promo only for the, um a free sample you're not getting that book i'm not giving that i don't give my non-fictions away for free i never give my non-fictions away for free because i don't have a ramp i don't have a trilogy i don't have an extra book for you to um you know to 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 move on to to make me money from that so i only ever give books away for free when there is a way of me making money from books two or three of the series, or if I'm giving you a sample and you might buy the book, I never give away a book for free where it's just for free. I must always be getting something back for it. And the very lowest common denominator of that is, or the, low, no, the very lowest form of that is I give away a book for free in exchange for an email address. So that, but never just for free, uh, without getting something back for it, so that the book earns its keep in some way. Now, with nonfiction, as I say, I have nothing to move you on to. If I could be bothered to do the customer service, I would have some kind of uh, consultancy based around this podcast book. I don't want to get involved in that. I'm not interested. So, um, interestingly, I am doing quite a lot of podcast work with clients through my contracts. Now, the reason that I'm happy to do that work is that I don't have to find the clients. 
I work with the clients for a specified amount of time after which we're done. Um, it's all monitored by timesheets. So when I work with you for two hours, I write on my timesheet um, what we've done for two hours. You sign it. I sign it. That goes with my invoice and I get paid for that time and our work is done. We're done. And, and it's that element of being done that I like. That is why I do the contracts that I do because I don't, there's no aftercare, no after sales. This is contracted work. It's paid for by a project. There is no sort of promise or expectation. Now they, they can, um, through the people who provide the contract that I, that I work for. Um, we have a special uh, sort of high ticket option where I could go into a business, uh, uh, quite a good hourly rate, actually, very good hourly rate. Um, and and I, I intend to be doing more of these, but uh, after March, because they're very lucrative, where I, um, and I don't have to negotiate any of this, where they say that they want some sort of consultancy from me. And this is all negotiated, the price, all that's done on my behalf. And uh, they come back to me and say, are you happy with this for a day rate? And I, I say, yeah, that's great for me. And they charge them double that so that they take their 50% cut on that. So, you know, and I don't have to manage any of this. Um, the, the, um, I don't have to collect the money. Uh, I just invoice the people who give me the contract. Um, and that's why that's why that suits me really well, because I love teaching. I love working with people. But what I don't like is the way there's when you sort of have support and products and things. There's always another question. There's always a oh, thanks for that. I just want to ask you one more. And they never stop. The questions never stop. They just keep coming. And that and, and, then, and so eventually I have to say, no, no uh, you do one, maybe two, maybe three. And then you say, I'm sorry, but I can, you know, I can't, if I answered all the questions everybody asked me for free, I would never make any money. I'd just be here all day answering people's tech questions for free. I can't do that. Uh, you know, I say, do you work for free? I, you know, I don't. I have to keep a roof over my head. We all do. So, um, and you, I always say you wouldn't ask a plumber to fix your loo for free. You know, so don't ask me for technical um, support for free. Uh, you know, my time costs. It has a value. So we always get into that when you sell products. Uh, and I know this because I've been doing it for years with internet marketing. You always get into that where people nibble, nibble, nibble. They want a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And you end up having to say to them, I'm sorry, but I've got to draw a line there. You know, I can't keep doing this. I can't just keep answering questions because they're sure as hell will always be another question when there's something, when it's something to do with technical. They'll go off and do the next thing you told them how to do. And they'll come back and say, oh, I've done that. What about this? It never ends. So, um, you know, this is why I love to do it through these contracts, these formally delivered contracts, because there's a definite endpoint and we're done. And and so I, I get the benefits. I love doing the teach. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the teach. I've had a whale of a time this week working with clients um, and I really want to keep that work on. But I love the way I just walk away and it's no more problem when I'm done. All I got to do is stick my invoice in. So uh, that, that's, I know, again, it's a long way of explaining, but that's that's why with that podcast book, although I should be offering consultancy, I'm not. But I'm just about to, you know, get paid for consultancy for doing podcasting um, through this contract. I'm just about to work with somebody for six hours and set up a, a podcast with them. I'm working with two or three clients at the moment where I'm advising them on podcasts. So, you know, I am doing consultancy, but it won't be getting offered through the book. Um, and obviously, um, you know, I will... Obviously, I'll be flogging my book to people that I do consultancy with as well and say, look, it's all in the book. Read my book. So I'll be flogging the book that way. And um, so that's kind of my business model around it. But, but um, you know, I'd only ever give that book away for free if at the end of the book it said, you know, book a discovery call with Paul. And then I charged you a fortune to set up your podcast. I did consider doing that for a while. I even had a website set up. And whenever I think of doing support, it just like sucks the life out of my soul. Uh, and I, I have had a lot of experience of support and I just think, oh, it's, it, it just, honestly, it sucks the life. It drains the life force out of me. Um, um, unfortunately. So, um, that, unfortunately, I'm just, you know, forever damned with that. It's an insoluble situation. Um, but that is why I will not have that, an upset. I'm not even going to have a training course on it, even though I should, you know, what, what I should have at the end of that podcast book is a training course, which costs you whatever it costs you, 100 quid, 99 quid, something like that, where I show you how to do everything I tell you about in the book. Uh, and there's a, you know, an upsell at the end of the book. You've read the book, now do the course. And then at the end of the course, do you want to work with me? You know, I will work with you on your podcast. And, and then that, you know, that's a thousand quid or 2000 quid, depending on what I'm offering. 
Um, and then you've got this sort of, but that, that's kind of internet marketing consultancy stuff. I don't want to do that. So, um, so although I should be doing that, I'm not going to do that, but that would be the perfect way to use that podcasting book. And that's what I should be doing, but I'm not going to do it. So, so because the thought of doing that, you know, working with clients who don't get the work done, you know, so you see them the next week. Have you done this? No, I haven't done this. Okay. Surprise, surprise. You know, they don't have the same commitment that you do. And, um, and I just got no patience with it. So, so that's why I'm not going to be doing it. I sound terrible, don't I? I'm not, honestly, I really like working with people, but if I work with you, you've got to do the blasted work, all right? Don't give me excuses. Uh, so I just can't stand excuses. So anyhow, that's uh, that's the story of my podcast book, um, and the proper cover will be arriving very soon. Just to finish with this week, just a quick mention. I wanted to mention Dan Sewell, who shared a link with me this week, and it's quite a horrible link. So I'm just going to say to you, I'm not even going to read it to you. I'm just going to say, look, go onto the resources page and I'll put the link on the resources page this week. Um, but Dan had been listening to me saying that I was looking for alternatives to Scrivener for when we go to Spain. Now, let me just bring you up to date with that as well. When I was talking about Scrivener alternatives for Spain, I was thinking that I would probably take my Chromebook out to Spain. I would be working on a laptop most of the time. So I wanted to, I've been exploring, uh, um, you can't download software onto Chrome. So I was looking at um, cloud-based, browser-based software for running a podcast and for writing my books. And I knew that I could just use Google Drive uh, was the bottom line, of course. Um, and so people have been sharing these softwares with me. And uh, what I've decided to do now because I think I told you this last week, I was talking to somebody who's got a house in Spain who said, oh, just pop your computer in a box, put it in bubble wrap, send it to parcels to go and they'll deliver it to you. If you, if you get it picked up the day before you go, it'll, it'll arrive in Spain the day after you arrive. So I'm just, I'm actually just going to send my computer to myself now and whatever we can fit in the box, we'll send one box over and that'll be it. The rest will go in suitcases. Um, so I'm going to have my computer with me. So I, I, I'll continue to just do everything the way that I've always done it. Uh, I will have my Chromebook out there. Um, but Dan basically uh, had sent me a list of of different softwares, many of which I'd not heard of before. So if you are looking for an alternative to Scrivener, I will put the link uh, that Dan sent me on the show notes for this week. And um, you'll be able to just have a look at those if you're just in the market for something a little bit different. But it's always, you know, I find it very interesting to always know about the different softwares that are available. Okay, that's it for this week's podcast. Just to let you know that it's going to be um, a short, I'm pretty sure it'll be a short uh, podcast diary next week because we are going to Amsterdam on Monday. So we're hopping hopping on the train on Monday lunchtime. We're sailing from Newcastle um, over, it's not straight over to Amsterdam, obviously. I can't remember the name of the, the port that we're arriving in, but we sleep on the ferry overnight on the Monday night. We're in Amsterdam We uh, on Tuesday. We're coming to Amsterdam Tuesday morning. Uh, we're there all day. We've got a place to stay overnight in Amsterdam on Tuesday night. Uh, we're in Amsterdam all day. We're off to see Anne Frank's house. We've got our tickets booked on Wednesday. And then we sail back overnight on Wednesday. And then we jump on the train at Newcastle. And then we're home about midday on Thursday. Um, so I won't be getting any writing done during that time. I'm going to have very little to report to you on the diary uh, next week. Uh, so we're off at a jolly next week. And this is why the, the, the family have gathered. Um, so we're taking two of the kids over with us. But the third child who isn't coming with us um, is still home this weekend too. So it's it's going to be a weekend of very pleasant distractions. So I won't be getting very much done this week at all. I will hopefully be able to tell you whether I've got book bobs on Left for Dead and The Grid 1 uh, by this time next week too. So I will have that diary update for you next Saturday as per usual. In the meantime, whatever you're up to in your writing career... I hope you have a fabulous week of writing. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.